our hearts for the message. Amen. Thank you, Tyler. Let's give our whole worship team a great and the band, all of them. Um, it, it's amazing, uh, Tyler, his family, his dad, Gary, and, um, and his mama, they attended church here when he was like five or six years of age. And of course, they were ministers, but they were here for a couple years and then went up to our winter garden and they're pastoring probably the most influential church in the community in all of Winter Garden. And uh, so uh, he's uh, joining us in worship. As a matter of fact, he said, Pastor Blackburn, I got filled with the Holy Spirit seven years of age in kids' church here at Victory Church. He is the key worship leader at their church now. A great, great church. And so thank you, uh, thank you, Tyler, so very much. Uh, this message today is uh, a message that uh, you don't often hear. And so I'm going to ask you if you have a pen, you say you, you might want to take a note or two. And um, because you're going to want to remember, it's the beginning of a series, Seeing the Invisible. There is a very real evil force in our world today. And I will, uh, I'll make that clear through the ministry of the word. Paul writes in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his, what? Mighty power, be strong. Why did, why did he say that? Why, did we, why does he tell you and me, we are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb if you're saved, now, how do you know you're saved by the fruits of the Spirit? Because you're reading a Bible. You're in church. You love the Word of God, fruit of the Spirit. You have those fruits. Some people have religion. Religion will take you nowhere but where you don't want to go. Paul said, I want you, those of you that are followers, be strong in the power of his might. Why do you need that power? And I'm going to answer that question we deal with the supernatural. We're going to talk about the demonic forces of satanic influence. You see, when you talk about these kind of issues, um, sometimes you can get spooky, and some churches do. I'm not spooky. Okay, I don't, I don't see a devil under every bush. I believe, that, I believe the influence of the enemy is all over the place. But I believe greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So two things often the church does. We take it way out of context and we talk spooky as if you be careful, you can't live a victorious life for dodging a devil or an evil influence or they just don't talk about it at all because it might upset some people. My friend, you cannot deny what the Bible teaches as it relates to the powers of darkness in your life. And you're going to learn, I believe, because I have been praying for you and praying for this service and for this message. And what I know with a message like this, I, I have already felt just the pushback from the powers of darkness. Now, now, what do you mean? So stay with me. Keep your heart and your mind open. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10, verse number 3 and following, 
For though we live in the world, where is the world? The here and now. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as what? The world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. That's a physical world. There is a spirit world that is raging that you do not use the weapons of the physical world to fight them. There is a war every moment of every day between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness. It's all through the Bible. It started in the beginning when Lucifer had to be booted from heavenly places because of pride in his life. He wanted the same power. And that war, when he was booted, has never stopped. He flexed his muscles there in the Garden of Eden and tempted Adam and Eve. And when he tempted them, they failed to the temptation. And ever since then, the enemy has tried to hinder the church and hinder those that are following after the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't fight this spiritual battle with bombs and guns and machine guns and tanks and things of that nature. Here's how we fight it. We fight it with prayer and we fight it with faith using the Word of God as the authority. This right here. We engage in the battle with prayer. Now the spiritual battle that is happening, what do we do? Paul gives us words of inspiration in Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Now, there's one particular situation, and there have been many, but one situation that I am endeavoring to manage through, I came to the realization because a lot of times when a challenge comes to me as pastor, a lot of times we will say, hey, let's pray, let's believe God, let's get you into some counseling, let's see a psychologist, let's see a psychiatrist, talk to your medical doctor, let's take a look at the medications you're taking, let's see a pastor. We go through those routines, which often, my friend, is good counsel. However, in this one situation, as I was following suit with that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Now, how many of you believe the Holy Spirit can speak to you? Amen. He just told me to take a drink of water. <laughs> the Bible speaks to you. The preacher speaks to you through the Word. But he said, you're fighting the wrong battle. In this case, there is evil influence in the middle of this situation and voices of evil. Voices of darkness, voices of lies that is influencing. 
So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put that on the altar and leave it there. I want you to pray, Satan, get behind me. And don't push. The devil can talk to you. I've used this illustration before. It is a bit humorous. I love to shop with Sharon. She went shopping one time, and we've said we've got enough in the budget. I think we're up to here, okay? She came home not long after that. She waited for the right time and said, I want you to see what I bought today. She said, I know you've told me and you teach that when you're tempted of the devil, you say to him, Satan, get behind me. She said, Wayne, this garment fits so beautifully. Can't deny that. Looks real good. I knew you'd like it. I said, well, what about our agreement? What about our agreement that when you got there and you were tempted before you ever tried it on? Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get behind me. She said, I did all of that. Well, what happened then? She said, he got behind me. And he said, Sharon, this thing looks as good from back here as it does up front. <laughs> and I bought it. I know that's humorous, but every day that you live, you remember there is warfare of spiritual darkness that is happening. Our warfare is not against Democrats, Republicans, or independents, not against Washington or government or the news networks or Hollywood or any of those things. We're against the powers and the influence of darkness that comes right out of the pit of hell. And some of you are struggling and you're struggling often with the same issues or the same challenges that seem to wear you down and as a result of that that struggle takes away your joy it takes away any peace it takes away anything that you can get a breath of fresh air and usually when that happens you come to realize this is more than just my not feeling good this is more than just anxiety. This is more than just my physical body responding because I'm working 50 and 60 hours a week. You come to the realization that this is an absolute attack of the enemy against you physically and against your family. The first service was a judge from Polk County on the bench the judge responded to me in an email a few minutes ago and said, I want you to know I've been facing the same thing that you talked about in that service. I am so grateful that you spoke. God spoke to my heart, and I am going to be able to move forward now by the grace of God. She'll show up at her bench tomorrow. It's the grace of God. You see, 
2 Kings, the sixth chapter, tells the story of a situation that's unusual. There was a servant who was in a dialogue with a guy named Elisha. He was the man of God. The Bible said they were facing King Aram. And Aram had them beat hands down. And that servant went out in 2 Kings 6.15. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. He cried, oh my Lord, what shall we do? He was ballistic. He realized we have no hope against that army. He saw the enemy everywhere. His response to Elisha, the prophet, happened to be, we are outnumbered. And you see, that is a lie the enemy will tell you and me every day as we try to stay in the journey in which God has called us to. We're outnumbered. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. America's going down the tubes. Government is crooked. All of those things may be true to some degree. They may be. But listen, the reality of the matter is this. Our God is still in control. Somebody say amen. And so this is what Elisha said in a prayer in 2 Kings 6, 17. Oh, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Bible says that God opened the eyes of that servant. He went back out and behind the enemy forces were thousands and thousands of angels and horses that represented the power of a mighty God. And he knew then, hey, we are not outnumbered. Our God reigns and rules and reigns in every situation. We know that. Our natural eyes See the weapons of warfare in the physical. There's an Old Testament example of the power of prayer. And when you're praying, you think often nothing has happened. Anybody ever prayed and you didn't think God's listening? Sure. There's always something happening when you pray. Say that with me. There's always something happening when you pray. Do you believe it? There's always something happening. So I want to nail that down. Every prayer you pray, there's something happening in the heart of God toward that prayer. If you lock that down, it will encourage you every time you hear the lie of the enemy. Daniel was praying and nothing was happening. And he'd been praying for 21 days. And after 21 days of praying and not giving up and standing true to his commitment to pray, the Bible said that an angel came to Daniel and said, don't be afraid. Since the first day you began to pray, your request was heard in heaven. Every day since day one, your father has heard your prayer. Now listen, I have come. After 21 days, I've been sent by your father to answer your prayer. How am I able to come? Daniel 10, 13. But the prince of the 
Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Then Michael, hallelujah, one of the chief princes came to help me because I was detained. There was the king of Persia. What did Michael do? Michael came and put at bay the enemy forces so the angel of God could come and minister to Daniel and meet his need. You might say that's hocus pocus stuff. I'm here to tell you it is real. According to Ephesians 6, he said, we battle against Prince Valley. You, you look and you see the chaos in the governmental leadership. Let me tell you who stirs that up. Don't point your finger to a Republican or a Democrat or, or an independent. Point your finger at the devil. That's where he's at. And say, you lying demon, you stir everything, you tell lies, there is no truth, you don't know what to believe, it's worse than a swamp. The reality is the devil is on a leash and one day God is going to jerk him back and say, Buster, it's all over for you. Now I'm about to rapture my church and bring the second kingdom in. We must listen and say, do I feel the oppressiveness of darkness, Ephesians 6, those principalities are there. So what do we do? Well, let's look at it in reality. Satan loves to blind the minds of unbelievers. You wonder why you can't reach a person who's not sold out to God? You wonder why you can't make an impact on a religious person? You want to know why some of your family members just decide, hey, we don't want any part of this? Or your son or your daughter gets crossways with God? And the devil comes at the right time to persuade them to go in a different direction. I'll, I'll tell you that. The Bible says that there are many listening right now who say that they're a follower of Jesus Christ, but they're into religion. And listen, when God begins to move and convict, you know what they do? They lose interest and they walk away. Why? They don't understand why you go to church, why you pray, why you read, why you tithe, why you get involved in church programs, because they are blind to the truth of God's Word. And we can prove it in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Here it is. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of Almighty God. One of the goals of the enemy, blind the minds of unbelievers. Number two, Satan loves to steal the Word of God from you. What do you mean by that? You can be in church and listening or listening to a religious program, and maybe you're not on track spiritually, or maybe you're not a follower of all, maybe you're going through a real struggle that's got you down, you're so discouraged, you don't know what to do. And you think, well, that was interesting. And God rained down a point on you and, and a conviction and it, and it touched your life. And then, and then a day goes by and you go to sleep and you wake up the next day and you say, what happened to that conviction? What happened to that spiritual truth? I can tell you, the enemy took it away. There was the moment. Matthew 13, 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in that person's heart. This is the seed sown along the path. He blinds the minds of unbelievers. He steals the word of God in the heart of the curious one. He'll take it out. 
That's why it's extremely important when we plant seeds in the lives of individuals that we encourage them to get baptized and we encourage them to get into a small group and get into a connection program and say, hey, we want to help guide you while the fire and the iron is hot. Number three, Satan loves to set a trap to snare you. Some people are not coming to church today because the enemy set a trap. They got their feelings hurt. Someone said something they didn't like. Someone posted on Facebook. Someone, someone sent a note. Someone overlooked them. Some of them acted as if they didn't know. Someone, something happened when I preached a point and say, hey, I, I just don't need it. I don't need the church. I, I, just, I just don't need it. And here's what happens. Gradually, when you get out of church, the enemy sets a destructive lifestyle. He sets a trap that will bring you to a point of vulnerability and cause you to experience weakness so that you begin not to see what really is important. What really is important, for example, you know, you decide, I'm going to leave the party lifestyle. One of your friends comes over with a keg of beer. Hey, let's go. You say, hey, I, I'm, I'm, I, we have a budget. I'm not buying anything else. And then Dillard's or whoever else puts on a sale that you cannot deny. You don't know how much money we saved. What's he doing? He's setting traps. Relationships setting traps. Let me say this to you. Some of the traps look pretty good. Do you know how valuable church is to you? It's valuable to God. Here's a trap. When you didn't have money, you couldn't afford to travel. When you didn't have money, it's let's go to church. When you didn't have money, you couldn't buy all the toys that you might have. When you didn't have money, you were committed. But now that you have those things, you show up to church when it's convenient because you have things to do. And here's the key word. For family. Do you want your kids to grow up and know more about baseball and about football and about track and about bowling and about horseshoe and about camping and about fishing and about everything else? And they can't even quote John 3.16. And when they reach the teenage years, they don't have a foundation because mom and dad... They know how to fish. But they don't have that strong, deep conviction of their own personal relationship with Jesus. And let me say this, when your kid reaches 12, and maybe before that, it's you, or pardon me, it's them and God, not you, them and God. They stand before God on their own. Traps 
traps that look pretty good. I got a better job. I'm making $40,000 a year more than I was making my old job. But we got to move and we don't have a church there or Or you say, we're staying where we're at, but I'm only going to be able to in church one out of four Sundays. You know what the enemy's done? He said, what's first? Seek ye first. You say, well, pastor, is the church that important? Ask God. Average family that goes to church today spends one hour a week in church. One hour. You think that's enough? Well, people spend that in the gym every day. He sets a trap, and it's always a pretty trap. If you've ever been a victim to that, you know what I'm walk, talking about. 2 Timothy 2, 26. One day, they will come to their senses, and they will escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do what? To do his will. Number four, Satan fights to stop the work of God in your life. You see, if you decide, I'm going to be engaged in the church. I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to be on missions. I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to be in rangers. I'm going to be a greeter. I'm going to be a small group leader. You might say, we need to be good stewards. and We're going to work to try to get out of debt because we watched the Dave Ramsey video. And so we're ready to go now. And all of a sudden, the car breaks down. Or your washer and dryer breaks down, you think, so much for Dave Ramsey. He could probably buy 10 cars. He could. Or you say, we're going to get our marriage right. We sat down, pastor, a counselor, we got it right. We called a friend and we said, pray for us. We're on track. We are going to make it. We've committed to one another. And then a couple nights go by, the devil sets a trap. Hello? He sets a trap. Could be anything. She's told you a hundred times, put the toilet lid down. She goes in and there it's not down. And it clips her just right. Buddy, she comes where you're at, put that clicker down. I knew it would not work. And then you have the battle of a lifetime and all hell breaks loose. Over what? Over what? Something as simple as that. You see, the devil works in those regards. Maybe you decide you're going to share your faith with a person you've been praying with and you wait for the right opportunity. And finally, you've been talking to a relative or co-worker and that opportunity comes and they actually ask you about your church. 
You know why they ask you about your church? Somebody's been praying or they have reached a situation where it's dead end and the only person they knew that's living right is you. And they come and you feel, thank you, Jesus. You take a deep breath and you begin to share the principles of God's word and loving on them. And as you get into that message, their cell phone rings and they're gone for 30 minutes talking on that call. They come back. Guess what? They got to go. Do you know what just happened? The satanic influence of darkness. You say, well, I just don't believe all that. Well, I, you don't want me to pray to God to prove to you that that's real. You don't want that. You, we believe it by faith. 1 Thessalonians 2.18, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. He blocked the work of God. Now listen to me, friend. There is no reason that anyone breathing God's air shouldn't be serving God. And those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus ought to be neck deep in ministry grow track so many neck deep in ministry why helping build the kingdom of god number number five satan plans to destroy you he wants your kids devil's on a prowl prowls like a roaring lion looking for somebody to destroy he wants to destroy you and your family not just a not but destroy you he wants your kids to get deep in drugs he wants them to get in pornography. He wants them to get in every activity under the sun. And where's the influence? It is an ungodly culture that influences them. And unless they have a strong mom and dad and they're engaged in a strong church, they will follow suit. And mom and dad won't know until they get the phone call as we dealt with the situation the other day that they've been arrested and they need a bondsman. Who can we get, Pastor? You see, the traps of darkness. Had a very influential family. I've shared this story, but it's worth sharing now. Who are not Pentecostal, charismatic, not into spiritual gifts but came to the conclusion that they were fighting a spiritual problem and read a book and called me up and said, we believe our family member is in fact inhabited by the devil. That's their word. And we believe that a Christian washed in the blood of Jesus Christ cannot be inhabited by the devil. We believe often you can be oppressed. We believe you can have anxiety. We believe, but not possessed. You can be depressed, oppressed, but not possessed. Would you come? I went, I took my Bible, which is my sword. Took my anointing oil. Because I knew if they called me, they were at their wits' end. I had not talked to these people 
in 20 years. I went, I walked in, they were there. I walked in, I felt an oppressiveness in the house. Weeping, they told me. The room that they, their bedroom is down the hallway there. When I got to that door, I felt the oppressive power of darkness. I knocked on that door. No one answered. And then I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, whose blood has cleansed me from my sin, I'm saying to you, speak. This was a female, but a voice that was not female came out of that room. Leave me alone. It's the voice that scared the parents into a degree that they called me. I want to say this to you. You can't look at every evil, ghostly thing on television and watch movies that slice and dice you and have spiritual influence and let your kids go or you go to that and expect that it will not have an adverse effect on you. Get rid of it. Get it out of your house and don't ever go back there again. Leave. Leave me alone. I prayed. I spoke in tongues in my heavenly language and gave it all I had. I'd like to be able to tell you that God reached in that room and that person was totally delivered, but it was not the case. I stood there. I stayed at it. But here's what I can tell you. I dropped a seed in the middle of that darkness. I dropped an anointing and a power in the middle of that darkness. And that seed will grow. And the kingdom of light eventually will win in the midst of that kingdom of darkness. It will happen. But often the church lackadaisically, we walk through life and all these challenges hit us. We don't even take a second thought that somewhere behind some of that is spiritual warfare and darkness. But he is real. What we see with our natural eye, we fight. But there are things that we don't see. So what do we do? Here's what Paul says. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes... You may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit 
on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert always, keeping, keep on praying for all the saints. So break it down rather quickly. We put on the helmet of salvation. You're not saved because you're good. You're not saved because you're righteous. You're not saved because of your works. You are saved, number one, by and through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Agreed? Number two, we put on the breastplate of righteousness. The Bible said your heart is deceitful. You can't believe your heart. Above all things, your heart will lie to you. It will lead you to a sinful life through emotion. And you say, well, I didn't feel conviction. You know why? You're so far away from God, you can't feel the moorings of the Holy Ghost. But if you open this book on what you want to be convicted about, you won't be able to run from conviction because this book is the truth and it will set you free on all the cockamamie ideas that we believe out there. I don't know if cockamamie is a word or not, but it sure felt good saying it. I'm talking serious. Friend, we talk about revival. I'm not talking about, well, let the sick be healed. They will be. I'm talking about revival that puts man back on track with the word of the living God and say, don't dabble with that. You will put on the breastplate because the heart, the breastplate protects a heart and helps it get right and say, hey, you know, our best attempt at being righteous is as filthy rags, according to Isaiah 64, 6. It says it's as filthy rags. What is righteous? It's the power of God. You know what the devil will tell you? You're no good. You're never going to make a difference. You think God's going to love you after that? You're going to always be broke. You're going to always struggle. You're always going to end up with a short end of the stick. But we find in Ephesians 6, Six, this is what it said. I do not believe the accusations of the devil. Instead, I believe who I am in Jesus Christ, for he is my Lord and my Savior. His blood has cleansed me from unrighteousness. Holy God, anoint me. Pour out on me your Holy Spirit. <coughs> I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and that word. He's going to bless my coming in and going out. You have the belt of truth. The belt of truth sets you free. Satan is the father of lies and a deceiver. He tried to receive or deceive Jesus. Jesus said, oh no. You run with the shoes of the gospel of peace. That means your feet are planted in the peace of God. And when the world is turning upside down and the economy and COVID and everything else, you're saying there is a commander of love over me. Praise God. I am safe in his arms. Whatever happens, I shall not be moved by the grace of a living God. You also have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God. Those of us who are believers, listen carefully. When you choose not to know this word and you leave it and it gets dusty, you don't read it, you don't lean on it, you're not going to be able to fight like Jesus fought. Because the word of God and what you know in your heart is what's going to sustain you. You allow the word of God to be the fabric 
Jesus said to the devil, it is written. You understand me? You lying devil, it is written. You will not tempt me with a lie or false truth. It is written. We need a church who stands on it is written. And then let me say this. You fight with the sword of the Spirit. Your whole front side is covered. The buckle of truth. Your feet are covered. Your breast, your sword, your helmet. But your backside is exposed. Why is that? Your backside is covered by your fellow believer and the church of Jesus Christ. Who when you're going this way and you're fighting, they have your back. That's why you come to worship. That's why you get together for fellowship. That's why you're in grow track. That's why you're in small group. That's why you're here Sunday morning. That's why you listen. That's why you feed on the word of God is because believers of like faith said, hey, you don't worry. I, I was right where you were yesterday, but let me tell you something. It's this. You are not alone in your battle. I got your back. You don't worry about it. I've got your back. You're never alone in your battles. Last night about 9.15 or 9.30, Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, pray. Pray now. It's been a while since I had that word so strongly. We were watching, as you might imagine, Hallmark. I turned it off. I said, Sharon, we have to pray now. I took her hand. And we went into a prayer mode. It was shaking me to believe, God, I don't know what's happening. The devil trying to say, well, do you even know what you're praying for? And when I responded, I don't need to know. What I need to know is he said, pray. Are you with me? You can't figure it out. Just do it. We prayed. We prayed. Sharon said, call this one. Check in on this one. The bottom line is this, I don't know why, but it might have been you that the enemy was coming after, and you didn't know it then, and you didn't even know it now, that that moment of prayer God laid on my heart as your pastor kicked in and pushed the devil back straight into hell. I don't know. But what I do know, I need a lot more people who are listening to the Holy Spirit that when he says pray, you pray because you're covering the back of your brother and your sister in the Lord. Come on, put your hands together. Let's don't dabble with it. So we know 
that that's what happens. You're never alone. And when you pray, every prayer you've ever prayed, God hears and will do something about it in his timeline, in his timeline. I have a lot of needs. I have a list. I don't have a list. I have the list in my heart. Pray the same thing every day. And then we add new ones to it. And say, God, but, but here's, here's what I know, that my prayers are more powerful than I know. Here's what he said today. The first moment you prayed, God heard your prayer. And as a result, this angel has been doing battle with the power of darkness. You have some needs. You have some family members that are walking sideways. And some might be walking away. Some are religiously blind. You may have people at work. But let me tell you this, this message serves notice to you. Find a place and pray. And know that when you pray, God will answer prayer. And say to the enemy, I rebuke you. Call him anything you want to. Any bad name you can call him is not good enough for him. And say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then, and then be prepared for the enemy to try to take a swing at you with a right hook. And I have one word for you from God. Duck. Y'all with me? Would you stand? Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Help me out. Next week, I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit, our comforter. I had a person that came up to me between the services, a professional woman. Tears streaming down in the lobby. She fell on my shoulder. Several months ago, she called. She said, I need you. And I knew that was not one of those times we'll call Renee, get on the schedule. I knew it was one of those times that, hey, this is a real spiritual battle going on. She doesn't understand all about spiritual battles. She didn't. She didn't understand all the things that we know. But she said, that day I called you. I was at the end. And I can tell you absolutely. Had you not seen me that day, prayed and spoke to me and told me what to do, I wouldn't be here today. It didn't dawn on me until just now. I don't understand the lingo you battle with the devil, but I know this. I know now the devil had his hand on me. But by the grace of God, my pastor was there. I'm only one person. But I'm commissioning you, according to the scripture, to be that person.
to be listening to the Holy Ghost and let the Holy Spirit use you. And if you're here and the enemy's whooping you, not whipping, I'm from Polk County, he's whooping you. There's a difference in a whipping and a whooping. Pushing you around, shoving you down, lying to you. You have a drawing in your life that's trying to take you down an avenue that you know you shouldn't. You're in a relationship that you know good and well. You have no business being in that relationship. You haven't asked God about it. You've just dove in. Let me tell you something. Talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. And listen to the Holy Spirit. And if you're here, I'm going to pray this prayer. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And those of you at home, please stay with me. And then they're going to sing worship. But if you know that you need to be in this altar having a prayer, or you have a family member, or you're fighting some battle that's there, and you've been trying to figure it out, listen, I can tell you, most of the time it's some kind of spiritual warfare. So we're going to pray together. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and Savior. Father God, I'm weak, and I need your help. I've sinned, and I need forgiveness. I've messed up. But you have heard me. I've made decisions that I haven't talked to you about. But I need your help. So please come. Touch me. Rescue me. And through your Holy Spirit, tell me what to do. And I will do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You believe it? Those of you at home, don't forget to call us. Go online. Do connect, call us. We want to help you. God is able. This message, listen carefully, this message will stir the power of darkness. I expect a bunch of right hooks to come our way. But I'm here to tell you, you heard the truth today. You heard the truth. Let that truth sink in your heart. Let it minister to you. Amen. Some of you have to go. Others of you want to come down to the altar. Let's let God direct us, shall we, as we worship together. Here we go, everybody.